grab our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in Philippians chapter number two as we're continuing our study through this book of Scripture. We're calling this series Joy in a Box. Of course, the Apostle Paul is writing this epistle to the church at Philippi, being in bonds. He's being imprisoned. Not a very joyful situation in his life, and yet he's able to minister out of abundance of joy to this church and, and really telling them how they can experience joy in their life lived in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at selflessness and joy. Selflessness and joy. And we're going to begin here in Philippians 2 with verse number 1. If you found your place there and you're physically able to stand, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin here with verse 1, Apostle Paul writing, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What we have here is a wonderful description, a wonderful call to selflessness in ministry. And here's a a man who's in bonds, who could ask for all kinds of things for his own needs, and yet he focuses on this idea of selflessness. And this is something that I think we all need to pray over before we learn Because a lot of times we can filter even a message about selflessness through our own paradigm of what I need out of it. And I hope that we can allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through our life that we could actually be ministers that more accurately represent him in a selfless way. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit of God to help us. Lord, we come to you humbly knowing that our default setting is selfish. That we are very self-centered, self-oriented people, and we live in a very self-centered, self-oriented culture. And God, one of the ways I believe we shine as lights for you is that we take on your selflessness. That we engage in ministry in such a way where it's not all about us, but it's about you and your honor and your glory and how you desire to minister to others. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to reconcile whatever issues are in our life concerning sinfulness and pride, that we could come to your throne of grace and that we could be found in your righteousness and that we could be commissioned in your selflessness to be the hands and feet of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, here on earth. Help us to minister in a selfless way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, there's no doubt about it. We live in a very selfless oriented culture, very selfish. Uh, We always tend to default toward what's in it for me. That's kind of our life motto. How is it going to affect me? How is this going to position me? How is this going to benefit me? How is this going to promote me? And and really, if it doesn't have much to do with me personally, we many times don't want to have a whole lot to do with it. And this is part of our conditioning. This is part of many times our education. This is part of what we experience in this world is it's all about me. But how many of you are glad as a Christian, it's actually really all about him. And because of him, we can know what real life and what real joy is all about. So this morning, we're going to look at selflessness and joy. And this is going to be a very simple message, a very basic message, hopefully a very applicable message. And I think it's going to be a fairly short message. 
I thought that would be my first amen of the day. I thought that would light you up this morning. Just for that, I'm going to go a little longer, okay? As we look at selflessness and joy this morning, we're going to look at key ways that the Apostle Paul highlights that I believe we should find joy outside of ourselves, where where we have nothing to do with it. And I believe the Apostle Paul starts with the thought of this right away in the introduction of this second chapter of Philippians. And I believe he highlights finding joy in the growth of others. That we as believers should find joy outside of ourselves, and we should find joy in the growth of others. So let's look at joy in the growth of others in verse number one here this morning. Notice Philippians 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy. And stop there. I know the thought continues, but we're going to stop right there to unpack what Paul is saying. First of all, he's using great swelling words here. And maybe you've been in a position where somebody is using great swelling words with you in order maybe even to manipulate you to come from where you're at to where they're at. I I think, and what kind of went through my mind is maybe a mother who's vying for a position of having her family come and visit her for Christmas. I don't know why that came to my mind. None of my mothers or mother-in-law, just for the record, do this, okay? All right. But there might be a mother that would be like, hey, I want my family to come for Christmas, and so I'm really going to lay it on thick here. I'm going to talk about how we haven't spent a Christmas with you for years, and if you really loved me, you'd be here for this Christmas. And by the way, this might be Aunt Martha's last Christmas. (laughs) And I don't mean to put that guilt on you, but I do. And so I hope you're making plans to be here with us this Christmas. And, and we understand that. And, and maybe we felt that in a conversation before. And maybe there's a little bit of manipulation behind that. But I assure you that in these great swelling words, there's no manipulation behind what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, if you truly are connected with Christ, if you're in consolation with him, and by the way, if you have comfort of love towards me and other brethren, and and by the way, if you're in the fellowship of the Spirit, and and if you really want to extend this this gut-felt love toward me, fulfill ye my joy, is what Paul says. And then the question would be, well, what's Paul's big ask behind this? He's put on these flowery words. He's he's really called him out on the carpet. You know, if you're in consolation with the Spirit, if you're in fellowship with me, if you love me and the brethren, if you desire to fulfill my joy, okay, Paul, what's your big ask? You're really ringing us out here. What do you want us to do for you? This, This is what Paul says in the next few verses. If you want to fill my joy, you grow in Christ. That's what I most want to see. And this is a man who's in bonds. I mean, if I was Paul, I would say, hey, if you really were on team Jesus, and if you really love brothers and sisters in Christ, and if you really wanted to make me joyful, then bake me a cake with a hacksaw in it because I'm in prison. (laughs) Mobilize the Christian A team to come bust me out of here, right? That's what I would say. But Paul was not alluding to being, being able to find joy in his circumstance. He was alluding, you're going to fill up my joy 
This is what I want to hear. This is what I want to see. I want to see that you're growing in the Lord. I want to see that you're flourishing where you're at in your walk with Jesus. I want to see that you are abounding in the fruit of the gospel in your lives toward one another in your church and towards those that are outside the church. That's what's going to fill my joy up. I know there's a lot of stuff I need. I'm not very comfortable. I'm in a prison cell. I can't be there to celebrate with you guys. I'd like nothing more than to be around people who are believers that I could, you know, fellowship with and get something from. But I'll tell you what would make me happier than all of that and what would give me a blessing and great joy is to hear that you're growing in your walk with the Lord. And at some point, as believers, we have to transition from joy being in the context of what we receive and joy being found in the context of seeing others flourish, seeing others abound in their walk and in their growth, in their fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, fulfill my joy, grow in Jesus. That's one of the great things about really being part of Christ's local New Testament church, wherever that expression might be, is that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us in different circumstances right now, all of us going through different trials right now, all of us in our own box, so to speak, and yet we can find joy outside of that box, outside of our own life, by watching others flourish and grow as we minister to them and with them and for them and around them. I'll tell you what gives me great joy as a pastor is coming to church and watching people get victory over things in their life and watch people get victory as they follow Jesus and watch people produce the fruit of the Spirit and watch people grow in their families to love the Lord and learn of the Lord and and watch people serve God together and, and watch as we partner with other missionaries and people who are doing great things with God. And man, it was, you know what was awesome this morning about our missionary that's here with us is just to hear that his daughter has a place to connect, to go to college. How many of you found that to be an awesome thing this morning? And and we, no matter what's going on in our life, can take great joy in what's going on in Brother Kevin's life and great joy in what's going on in each other's life. Even if we're going through the ringer right now, we can express wonderful joy seeing that God is real in my life and in other people's lives as well because we're growing in Jesus. If our praise and if our thanksgiving has to be constantly centering around what I have or what I don't have, then our joy is going to be very fleeting. But if our thanksgiving and our praise is centered around seeing what Christ is doing also in the lives of other people and how they're growing and flourishing, we can have great, consistent joy in our life as believers as we faithfully serve him alongside of others. Are you experiencing that kind of joy today? Are you finding joy in the growth of others? Or is your joy firmly tied to the situations and circumstances that you and you alone are going through. Find joy in the growth of others. Paul says, fulfill ye my joy. It's hard to believe that somebody could find joy in bonds, locked away, in a position that they would not desire to be in at all. But boy, it encouraged him to hear of the faithfulness of the church here at Philippi. Fulfill ye my joy. Joy in the growth of others. If you've had children or grandchildren, you've enjoyed maybe the process of 
as they grow, standing them next to a post, maybe somewhere in your house. As they stand next to that post, you know, they, they back up into it and they try to stretch out, stand on their tippy toes a little bit, you know, and you mark where they're growing and you put a date on it. And, and it's neat when that child comes away from the wall and turns around and looks, and even if it's just a slight bump up, man, they're jumping up and down saying, I grew! And as a parent, you're looking at them and you're enjoying what they're seeing in their own physical growth. Now, I remember as a kid, we had this post uh, where we were at it, at one of my friend's houses, and all the friends would get together and, and see who's the tallest. And, and, you know, we all wanted to be the tallest. And so we'd stretch out and we'd get on our tippy toes and we'd do everything we can to be the tallest. And man, when our, our head got marked on that wall, we'd look around. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't so happy when somebody beat me. I was finding a way how I could stuff socks in my shoes or something so the next time I'd be just a little bit taller than the rest of the guys. And unfortunately, that's a lot of times the way that we are spiritually. Instead of taking great joy and great comfort in watching the people around us grow in Christ, we many times do exactly the opposite of what the Bible tells us to. We compare ourselves amongst ourselves, and if somebody is growing, and if somebody is flourishing, we want to chop them down, or stuff our shoes with socks, or promote ourselves a little bit more so that we can be seen as the one who's growing, or seen as the one who's flourishing. Or say, Hey, listen, we need to come to a place where we find joy in watching others grow as we minister to them, with them, for them in the body of Christ. Joy in the growth of others. Secondly, in our passage, I believe Paul calls us to joy in the betterment of others. Finding joy in the embetterment of others. Notice with me verse number two of Philippians two. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. And let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, notice, better than themselves. What's Paul saying? He's saying, okay, if you want to fill up my joy, if if you want to find joy yourself in the Lord, then you need to find joy in the embetterment of others. Where our default tendency is to strive with somebody else and to compete with somebody else and to heap upon ourselves vain glory. Where our tendency is to default to ourselves and put ourselves in the highest positions. This is how you find real joy. You esteem others in a better position than yourself. You take joy in the embetterment of others. And Paul is is showing us how to do that here in verse number two. He says that you need to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. He says you ought not have division, you ought not be competing with each other, you ought to be completing each other. How many of you understand that Jesus is the one that's the head of his church? Jesus is the one that's on top of the hill. In fact, Jesus is the one that went to the hill of Calvary to pay the price for your sin and for mine so that we can even have relationship with him. We don't belong on that hill. He's on that hill. He's the king of the hill. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. What are we fighting for? I remember as a child, we would play king of the hill. And I did grow up in Iowa. I do know what snow is. West Virginians, you're not the only ones who have snow. 
Okay. And we would go to these big parking lots like a Walmart or a Target or a Kmart because the snow plow would take all the snow in the parking lot and pile it up into this one big hill or several big hills. And uh, we as buddies, we'd go to these hills and we'd, you know, dig tunnels in them and sled on them. And, and, and ultimately, we found the fun of playing King of the Hill. And how many of you have ever played King of the Hill before? You know what that's all about? It's all about getting to the top of the hill and then as hard as you can, pushing everybody else off of it. Wonderful game to teach children good moral values and <laughs> safe game, you know. And man, we got into it and we loved it. And man, we would get up that hill as fast as we can and we would power drive each other. I mean, we would light each other up. Boom! I mean, we would hit each other off that hill where you wouldn't even land on the snow that was there. You'd hit the pavement out past the snow. I mean, we played King of the Hill, but the whole goal of it was you get to the top and you knock everybody else off. And how many of you know that's kind of the way the world sees things? It's even for a time the way the disciples saw things. The disciples many times were like, well, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And who's going to sit on your right hand? And who's going to sit on your left hand? And who's going to be the best? And who's going to have the most power? And who's going to be your second in command, Jesus? What were they doing? They were playing King of the Hill. Jesus is King of the Hill. We all serve him. His disciples would get into it. Oh, there goes Peter, James, and John up the hill with Jesus again. And instead of encouraging one another, and instead of really looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, they were playing king of the hill. And, and what Paul is saying is don't play king of the hill. He's king of the hill. Follow Jesus. Love one another. Be in unity together. Don't vie for striving for vainglory. And, and don't throw each other off the hill so that you can be on top of the hill. Hey, you need to take great joy in the embitterment of others. You help somebody up that hill. You help somebody to get to the place where they can serve. You help to get to somebody to the place where they can learn. You be part of that ministry and that process of loving one another as you embedder one another, as you prefer one another. Paul encourages us to find joy in the embetterment of others. I'm all for competition. I know we've got sports going on. We've got the NCAA tournaments. My team lost in the first round. How many of yours did? You know what that means? I don't have to watch sports for a long time now again. And I'm all for competition. I'm all for doing your best. I'm all for success. I'm all for free markets. I'm all for all of these things. This isn't a political statement, but this is a very spiritual statement. Don't get so caught up in being the best that you're neglectful of others. We should strive for the embetterment of others. And not just socially, and not a social justice way, but we should want other people to know Jesus more, to walk with Jesus more closely, to experience the fruit of his spirit more passionately. We should desire that for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we look this morning at selflessness and joy, we learn that if we are truly going to have joy, we need to find joy in the growth of others. We, we need to find joy in the embetterment of others. And lastly, this morning, we need to find joy in the care of others. We need to find joy in the care of others. And Paul really makes this practical. It moves us from this place of feeling towards others to a place of doing for others. And notice with me verse number four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is a genuine care 
for other people and what they're going through and how I can meet a need and how I can step out of my life and into somebody else's life like Jesus stepped out of heaven's glory and became a man and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I need to care for others in the way that Jesus cared for me. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. Now, Paul isn't telling us to abandon our own care for what we're called to do. You have a job, you have responsibilities, you in some way, shape, or form, with the help of God and with the provision of God, put food on your table, you care for your family, you care for your health and your protection and the vital things that are part of your life. And, and, and the call isn't to abandon that, but as you are caring for what God has put in your care, you also need to have an eye and a heart for other people's concerns and avail yourself to care for where they're at as well. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. We need to find joy in caring for others. You know, the first two areas of joy where we seek the embetterment of others, where we seek the growth of others, those are watch and cheer people on in. This is the thing we become active in. This moves us from empathy, empathy and moves us into true compassion, which brings us alongside of an individual to care in their situation, to care for them in their distress, to care for them in their time of difficulty. And aren't you glad Jesus didn't just watch us from heaven, hoping for our salvation? How many of you are glad he came down and did something about it? And there's a call for a believer to move from a place of observation and quiet concern to a place of action and immediate care. And how are we caring for others? I find that many times when I'm down, when I'm discouraged, when I'm depressed, it is not very helpful and it doesn't solve anything for me to throw a pity party for myself. Now, they are fun for a while. You know, turn off the lights, play a sad song, pet the puppy. You know. <laughs> Makes you feel good for a moment, but that's not going to fix anything. That's not going to solve anything. That's not going to produce anything. Okay. At some point, what really helps me out is when I go and I find somebody I can care for other than myself. There have been times I've been down and depressed. I've just kind of left my desk. I've gone out. I've knocked some doors. I visited some people. I've gone to the hospital at my at times during ministry. And I found that when I go and care for others, somehow, miraculously, God still cares for me. And by the way, how many of you are glad that God even says, cast all our care on him because he cares for us? That's a very active care. In fact, yesterday, I went out on some visitation, went and visited some folks who haven't been here in a while and talked to them about different things that they've been going through and health concerns. I went there to be a blessing to them, and they were sharing with me testimonies of what God was doing in their life in areas where God was working, even though they were going through a difficult time. And I guarantee you, I left from every one of those meetings felt feeling more cared for and more encouraged than I was an encouragement to them. It's amazing how when we put ourselves in a position of care, how God uses that to care for us as well. And so Paul is encouraging this church, hey, you want to fill up my joy? I want to hear that you're growing in the Lord. I want to hear that you're taking on his ministry in a way where you are out there for the embetterment of others spiritually. I want to see that you are willing to care for others. 
That fulfills my joy. And by the way, it'll fulfill your joy. I'm sure you have a list of all the different cares in your life that need to be taken care of this week. Got to call this person. Got to make this appointment. For how many of you, it's a doctor's appointment. No, don't raise your hand. This appointment, this chore, this thing, this care list, and this is your care list. Where's your care list for others? Who's on that? Who are you ministering to? Who are you calling? Who are you praying for? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you bearing a burden alongside with? You don't understand, Pastor. I've already got so many things on my own personal list. Yeah, after your things, but look also at the things of others. Now, now this, is, this isn't an invitation from Paul for us to be a busybody. He's not saying, hey, ignore your stuff and get involved in everybody else's stuff. Right? It's not like that neighborhood watch that's not really a help. It's, it's not really a neighborhood watch. It's more of like a watch your neighbor kind of thing. They're looking out the window. It's like, oh, they got another dog. I hope they pick up its mess. He's working on that car again. It's real loud. He's not saying be a busybody and get into everybody's business that you have no business getting into. That's not what he's saying by look after your own things and then look after the things of others. He's talking about this genuine care. And I guarantee you, when you involve yourself to minister like Jesus and you're involved in care for people like Jesus cared for people, there's going to be something that happens in your life where you are going to be ministered to as well in that process of caring for others. How many of you are glad that there have been times in your life where you've needed care and God has sent somebody to care for you? What a blessing that is. And I want you to think about that in your life as you perhaps fashion your schedule and your list that you pray for and your people that you're concerned about, that you fashion that after an understanding that God can use me in a great way to have joy as I focus on the care of others. This morning, we're talking about selflessness and joy. We're prone to be very selfish. We, of course, notice our own needs, but when's the last time you found joy in the growth of others? When's the last time that you found joy in the embitterment of others? And when's the last time you found real joy in the active care of others?